Welcome to Ion Franchising. Are you looking for business opportunities? Well, you are in the right place. We represent over 650 franchises and business opportunities. We will help you find your perfect franchise for free. We even have a free assessment on our website that will help us determine what the best business is for you based on your investment level, mindset, skill set, and life experiences. This is Ion Franchising, where we share our vision for your franchise future. I'm your host, Lance Growler. Each week, we will speak to fascinating folks from the world of franchising, franchisors and founders, franchise funders, and franchisees. Are you looking to find your perfect franchise? Or perhaps you are an independent business owner looking to grow and scale your business by setting up a franchise. Either way, our team can help you. Ion Franchising, where you will learn the A to Zs of franchising. So welcome, and today's guest is Dennis Schooley, founder of Schooley Mitchell. Dennis is, uh, well, let's just say Schooley Mitchell and Dennis are two of my favorite people. So uh, Dennis, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Lance. Glad to be here. It's always fun to have a great, energetic, wonderful franchise founder like yourself. I think I've talked more about Schooley Mitchell. I've been a guest on about 60 podcasts so far. I think I talk, for sure talked more about Schooley Mitchell and your brand than any other brand, just so you know. Well, I love to hear that. Keep it up. <laughs> I will. I will. So, Dennis, let's talk about your franchise journey. How does someone like Dennis Schooley get to the point you're at today as a founder of your own company, your own franchise brand that's expanding throughout the entire U.S. and beyond. So I'd yep. love to hear how you all got, how you got started. Rumor has it you were a baseball player. I, I didn't, I had no idea. So I want to well, hear a little bit about that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I did play fairly serious baseball when I was younger, actually for about 30 years, actually. But uh, yeah, it goes back that far. And, and I'm actually a CPA. Hopefully my personality doesn't belie that, as I've said before. But at any rate, that is my background. I was originally a Pricewaterhouse guy when I was young, but uh you know, I was 28 years old. I wanted to be out on my own and there was nothing wrong with Price Waterhouse. I mean, a great company and great training and great people, but I just had a desire to make my own decisions and hold my own rows, so to speak. And so I just went out on my own and I started an accounting practice, but you know, I've always been a business development kind of person and, and I got into business with other people like that. And so we got into other things like computer consulting and management consulting, even sports consulting, things like that. And as a result of all the things that we did in that business, our telecom costs started going up quite significantly. Now we knew why, because we were having people travel around doing, you know, a lot of different things in these different areas that we were in. So we kind of knew, but we needed to get a better handle on it. And so we asked our programmers to write something that would allow us to analyze these telecom bills properly. See, this is where we started 22 years ago. And so when they did that, we realized we were paying 30% more than we should be paying for our telecom costs. We thought, man, you know, aren't we stupid? And then, you know, we realized, Hey, if we're stupid, maybe our 700 accounting clients are kind of stupid too. And of course Absolutely. they were. And that's, you know, my wife, Beth and I start, got involved around that point and decided to build a business around this concept where, you know, if companies need help reducing costs and we can do that, then that's a great business model. And one of our computer clients in the accounting business was a, a franchise company. And I learned a lot about franchising from the two brothers that owned that particular company. And so those two things kind of came together by chance, by Providence. 
and well, what, as a result, what was your initial you know learning, so to speak, about franchising? I always love to understand what got you excited about the franchise model at that point. Yeah, well, you know, franchising is really the way it started. It was a a distribution model, you know, distributing coffee grounds and donut mix and hamburger meat and muffler parts. I mean, that's what it's for, right? And that allows for concentric expansion. You know, you've got a distribution center and you can just expand around that. And then finally you get another distribution center and, and that's how you expand more quickly. But franchising is about penetrating and dominating a market. These are the things that I learned from these guys that own this other company And so most people would think of a franchise as a burger joint, you know, or a coffee shop. They don't think of it as something like this, but I know, you know, Beth and I realized at the time that the distribution of knowledge, information, databases, things like that. And with the communication thing abilities that were coming down the pike, which didn't exist then, but do now we kind of look at it as this is a perfect model for us to expand our opportunities here. And that's really why we did it. I think Singer Sewing Machine was actually the very first franchise where they gave their, yeah, their owners the ability to share in profits by selling their own sewing stuff, whatever that was. (laughs) But, you know, it's come a long, long way since then. And, you know, when we started, there weren't a lot of professional services franchises around. There's more now, of course, but uh, it was more hamburger and mufflers and coffee. But it was total genius what you did, because in business, everybody knows there's two ways to increase your profitability. You either increase revenue or you decrease expenses. So you were absolute, it was genius to say, well, Every business would like to reduce expenses if they knew how. Well, Lance, I like being called a genius. I've never been called that before. I'm not sure I should accept that, but I'll 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 take it for now. But no, you're exactly right. And you know what it does is it allows us to be elastic to economic conditions because companies will always have to cut costs. And in a bad economic time, they need to cut them even more. And the model that we built was around the contingency model meaning that we're not going to charge our clients anything to do our work. You know, we're not going to do the analysis and the audits that we do throughout the three-year period and charge fees. What we're going to do instead is we're going to provide them with a risk-free opportunity to have that done and share in the results, share in the savings. So we just found that a great way to really get clients more easily because the client doesn't have to outlay anything to have us engaged. And that's, that's the model we built from dust really back then. Yeah, from dust. And originally, uh, you were mentioning it was telecom. What were your original revenue streams? Because you've certainly expanded your revenue streams. Well, that was it. It was a pretty big area. It's, you know, long distance and local service, although that's all we did when we started long distance and local service. But now internet and data and wireless and conferencing, all of that's included. But we now actually have eight different expense categories that we specialize in that we've built on over the years. Um, we're actually going to be adding two more within the next 12 months. But we we help companies reduce the cost in telecom, merchant services costs. So anybody that accepts credit cards or debit cards pays fees to do that. And they pay way more than they should. Uh, right. Courier costs. You know, those FedEx and UPS charges are way more than they should be. Um, waste is, is one that really has become a significant. That's right. It, I remember waste and recycling when you added that. 
Yeah. And it's not even just that it's, you know, medical waste, electronic waste and grease traps and shredding and all those things that go into whatever you have to pay for to get rid of. That's what we help people cut their costs. And we got into e-signature, which has become very on everybody's radar with COVID in the last year, year and a half. We do electronic logging devices, which are fleet tracking type things, um, which require access to the internet, stuff like that. Um, We do utilities. So gas and electricity, and then other fuels as well, like propane and things like that. So we help companies reduce their costs in all of those different areas now. We've got specialists and specialized staff in each of those areas to help get those costs down. Such a great model. So who is your ideal franchisee? People listening that are interested in franchise opportunities, clearly that's this audience. Who's the ideal person for a Schooley Mitchell franchise? Well, you know, we have a list of must-haves, and the must-haves include either management executive, sales, marketing, or consulting experience in some part of the background. And so that's not real restrictive, but it does say I want a person that understands how to talk to other business people. That's probably the most critical thing. If a person is comfortable talking to other business people and is willing to work a regular work week, that's it. That's all they need. Right. You know, there's no special skill. We've got every type of business here. We've got accountants and lawyers. We've got doctors. We've got management. We've got executive engineers. Art, we've got everything. But it's really about comfort in discussing things and motivated to work. That's it. That's it. And, you know, it doesn't build itself. You need to work it. And uh, that's something that some people are not willing to do. I think that's the difference between somebody that's a W-2 employee and somebody that's an entrepreneur. You got to be willing to do the work. Well, no, that's exactly right, Lance. And, you know, like I've said before, and not on this podcast, but we've got people here that make a million dollars a year. And, And I'm able to say that because it's in our franchise disclosure document. But in that same breath, I will always say we've got people that make nothing as well because they don't get out of bed. You know, and all we can do is provide them with what we feel is as a perfect a system as we could possibly provide. But if a person doesn't do it, they're not going to make money. But if you work a regular work week doing it, you can make whatever you want. In case the listeners were doing something else for the moment that you said that you have franchisees that make a million dollars a year, a million dollars a year on an investment. What is the investment in Schooley and Schooley Mitchell franchise? 65,500. So, you know, and it's funny because we consult about costs. Our business is about cost control. And yet this is not a cost control franchise. There's very little cost. You know, 65.5 gets you to the point where you're in, you're getting trained, you got all the system and everything that's available. But after that, there's very little cost. Most people run from home, maybe a small office, but you don't need anything, a computer and a printer and a cell phone. That's it. So the business is not about costs. It's about can I build relationships and, and get some clients to, to help them be more profitable? That's the business. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an incredible business. So, so when you think of your top 10% of Schooley Mitchell franchisees, yep. what do they have in common besides that they make a lot of money? What do they have in common? What are the attributes or characteristics of those individuals? You know, it's nothing different than what I said. They just are driven to set those appointments with the people through all the different methods that we do through referrals and paid referrals and networking, professional relationships. We've even got a telemarketing department that sets appointments for people. As long as they're, and really, when I look at the top people, there's no dust on them, right? When they get up, they start working at eight or 8.30 in the morning and they are working on all the things that we do and then they come home at five. And that's what they do. And 
people that aren't making money, well, they're cutting the grass and maybe going to talk to somebody at 11 o'clock. And then, well, yeah, I got to take the kids to school. They know there's always excuses, <laughs> but that, we don't want to focus on that because you're asking me, okay, what's the difference? It's really, that's it. There's, yeah. If you work like that and are committed to it, you're going to get clients. Now it does kind of break down. And, and I think most people are familiar with the Pareto rule, the 80, 20 rule, right? Where 20% of the people command most of the money and the 80% share the rest. I mean, that's the Pareto principle. And I, I say to all my candidates that I wish Pareto was still alive <laughs> because I want to talk to them. I'm trying to make it the schoolie rule, but it's not catching on. But anyway, here's what I mean. I absolutely agree with Pareto that the top 20% in any organization like this, where client acquisition is important or a sales force, for example, 20% kick butt. They make most of the money. But what Pareto didn't consider was the bottom 20% and they don't do anything. And it's really amazing. I mean, I can get that when you're employed as a salesperson, you, maybe the lazy people don't succeed, but even in franchising in a model like ours or yours, Lance, by the way, Absolutely. you're going to find 20% that are dogs. The other 60% are more lifestyle driven. You know, Boy. they're going to make what they want and stay there. That's it. Okay. You brought up something just fantastic, and it's, it is reality. Uh, the great Jack Welch, arguably, in fact, I have his book here behind me. Yep. Um, so do I, right over there. <laughs> I, I, th I think it was Jack Welch, it was every quarter or so, his bottom 10% of his sales staff would be fired. Yeah. If they were on the bottom, they were gone. And nobody wanted to be on the bottom. Well, when you work for yourself, you got to be careful with that because you have to be disciplined enough to get up and do the work. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, just like my business, your business is all about those stats. You mentioned the reference, the individual cutting their lawn. If you're not talking to X amount of people a day, you know, you're never going to do the deals that you expect, right? Is that fair to say? Well, I get your concept and I see what you mean. And I mean, everything is linear, right? I mean, there's a number of, the thing with us though, there's a number of different activities. It's not all one type of activity where you need a number of those to get to your result. And that's going to hold true at all times. There might be performance variances, but, but in our case, all it really requires is stay busy for 35 or 40 hours doing a whole mix of things. And yeah. as long as you're doing that, your numbers are going to fall out of there. And we know that if anybody can get a client a week, and keep doing that for three years, they'll probably be a millionaire in our business. Well, then there it is. That's the metric I never even knew. I mean, if that's all it is, is a client a week, and you back yourself up in your daily routine to get to that, that's what you need. That's but, exactly it. And, and, and you know, you asked me what a differentiator is among the top people. They probably pay more attention to that and understand that those are metrics they have to maintain. You know, how many, what we call briefings, how many appointments do I need to get a week to get a client every week. And you know, they go and get two clients every week and that's why they make a million instead of 400,000, but that's what they do. But, and, but we know our close ratio is 30%, which is high, but that also says seven out of 10 say no. Right. <laughs> so that's another metric you have to pursue, <laughs> right? You but that, pursue but that. isn't that half the battle is expecting, you need to know what to expect and you need to understand what the guardrails are within the system and play fairly. I mean, that's what it is, right? No, that's exactly what it is. And, and I think, you know, what we have provided here at Schooly Mitchell to give you a little meat related to that is, and I, you know, I don't want to sound too pompous, but I think we've created as perfect a business as could possibly be created. Yeah. You know, we spent 22 years building our tools and our databases and our systems and our software and our marketing plans. And I mean, that's all there. 
the market is huge for what we do. Very little competition, no effect from demographics or economics on us at all. So it's up to the individual, but if you don't use the system, it's not going to work for you. <laughs> you know, well, and let's talk a little bit about your competitive advantage or a franchisee's competitive advantage being part of your system. You have some pretty amazing technology there that they have access to. I mean, imagine the old days with no technology. Yeah. Well, we started when, you know what the first complaint we had from a franchisee was? What? We need to get email. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> And we agreed with them and we got email. So that's, you know, that's where we started. And, you know, but now, boy, oh boy, you know, we've created some powerful things. And I'll just give you an example. Sure. You know, when a client, when we talk to a potential client and the client might wonder, what's the value you can bring to the table to help me reduce these costs? Well, we've done 24, 25,000 deals and we've maintained all that information. So we know we got a database of 20, you know, and I'm not talking about just 25,000 vendor responses. Every quote we got on every of those 25,000 deals is in our database, Wow! which means we know how low a vendor can go for every one of our costs. And if they don't, well, we can call them on it. Well, an individual business, no matter how big the business is, they don't have that. They couldn't have that. They've only got their experiences with their handful of vendors. So that's what we bring to the table. We've got a bid board that goes out to hundreds of vendors to request quotes within two clicks. Um, we've got a database of over 3000 vendors where we've got higher up contacts. Now we don't sell anything. We're completely independent, but this is the information, the knowledge of what we bring to the table and the franchisee gets all of that. <laughs> it's amazing how much the franchisee gets. So when it comes to franchising in general, what got you really excited about franchising in the first place? Obviously, you're doing an amazing job supporting your franchisees and what have you. But, you know, the listeners out there, some of them might not be convinced. There's so many misconceptions about franchising. In the old days, people thought you had to be a multimillionaire to own a franchise. Yeah. Clearly, clearly that's not Schooley Mitchell. But, you know, what gets you excited when you're talking to prospective uh, new futurepreneurs that are deciding whether a franchise is right. Why is a franchise right for so many people? Well, and you know, and I, I've said this multiple times, you know, a lot of people think of franchises as hamburgers, right. And coffee and mufflers and stuff like that. And, and it's a distribution model. And yet when Beth and I realized what we had here and we could distribute knowledge and databases and training with all the technologies that are available, we realized this was a great model for us and the ability to have people have access to that, whether they're on the East coast, the West coast, North or South, doesn't matter because we can communicate all that stuff. So what that means is that they're able to penetrate their market and if we do this right, they dominate their market, which is really what the purpose of franchising is, is to penetrate and dominate a marketplace, right? Um, so that's why we did it. But why franchising versus do this on your own? Well, first of all, we bring a lot of tools to the table like we just talked about. But on the other hand, you've also got the counsel of the franchisor who's done this. It's not going out on your own and it's not having to hire an accountant and a lawyer and a financial planner and somebody to help you with marketing and somebody to help you with advertising. All those things are within the system. The help that you would pay for as a business on your own is right. here, right? And then you've also got, in our case, 215 or so franchises out there doing the same thing day after day. Now, I know there are some franchisors that will quote 
percentages of success in franchising versus not. That's all made up, by the way. So if anybody quotes those percentages, that's just not, not real. However, the real benefit is what I just said the ability to follow a model in our case, for example, in a professional business. And I've started an accounting business from scratch and, and this from scratch, you've got to create things, you know, letters, templates, checklists, agreements, all that snap of the fingers. That's right there for you. That's the value of the franchise. So all of that training, all that support, all the knowledge of doing what you have to do in the next period of time is already there and at your fingertips. And that's really why we love the model. And, and that's why our franchisees benefit so much. Yeah. It's, it's creating that amazing blueprint that you've checked it multiple times. You've proved it out, so to speak, but you know, a couple of quotes come to mind, you know, franchising truly is about modeling success and mm-hmm. you're in business for yourself, but certainly not by yourself. So I, I love that. So when it comes to your franchise selection process, why don't you share with some prospective franchisees that are listening today what your process is like? It starts with an introduction or from someone like myself. You can certainly reach out to me. Share with everyone how this process works. And I, I explain to people, Dennis, too, that franchising is a two-way street. You have to like the brand, but the brand also has to like you. I had a CPA not too long ago that was a very successful real estate investor Really, uh, he was referred through a friend. He contacts me and says, you know, I really want a, a fitness brand for my shopping center. Yeah. And I explained to him, you know, I gave him some options that are available. And he had this attitude about him like, yeah, well, I'll, I'll decide who's, you know, who's really going to be right for me. And I was like, well, yeah. you have to sell yourself to them because most of these brands I'm bringing you to are pretty well established and want only the best prospective franchisees that fit their culture. Guess what happened, Dennis? After the second phone call, the VP of franchise development calls me and I knew exactly, and I have a good relationship with her. And she says, yeah, we're, we have to kick him out of the process. He's not, we got to pass. Yeah. He could not believe it. He was in shock. And I said, actually, I warned you about this. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Lance, we talk to more than a thousand people a year and we'll get about 80 franchises. So that's how many people either drop out because it's not a match or we withdraw from the system because it's no good to have people that aren't going to flourish, aren't going to succeed. We don't want that at all. This isn't about getting 65 grand. I mean, that money's all spent before they're done training. This is about having people that are successful, are going to earn money for themselves, going to help their clients. And we make royalties. I make no apology for that. This is all about the royalties we create by making people successful. So yeah, we you're, want. You're not people. a nonprofit. You're entitled to make them make. A no, that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> but uh, you know, it is. And I tell you, I wrote an ebook, and and one of the subjects in the ebook, there's a lot of different subjects in there, but one of them is about what you asked me about the qualification and, and due diligence system, and and I really do believe that a good franchise should have a well developed and defined qualification and due diligence system. And I think we really do. I mean, ours takes a few weeks and, it, and it's got a lot of different things that are involved in it, a lot of different information, but at the pace the candidate wants. But if it's well developed at that stage before the person even becomes a franchise, that should probably make the person think there's pretty good systems when I do get involved. And that's really what we're trying to reflect because franchising is about systems. You know, what have I got to duplicate it? What's, what are my 11 spices, my secret sauce, right? That's what we're trying to demonstrate with a really well-defined and specific qualification and, and due diligence system. So, 
Yeah, no. And so let's talk about within your process at some point, talk a little bit about Discovery Day and talk uh, talk about validation and how it works with your brand. There's so sure. many new perspective entrepreneurs out there that it really, you know, they get into so many different things and there's not really a formal validation process. And I'm proud to say that in the franchise world, the best brands have a great validation process. Yep. Yeah. I just want to mention something about what you said a minute ago about your accountant there. You know, when I was in the accounting world, I can't tell you how many times I would have a doctor want to get into a restaurant or somebody that loves sports wants to get into a sports business or somebody that dresses well wants to get into a fashion business. Often that's the biggest mistake. It's got to be the business model that makes sense, not your passion. Right. But you know what happens when you pursue that? You get into a business where you had a passion for the subject matter the business is no good. So that fails. And now you're not passionate about that thing. So you've lost twice, you know, because it, now it sucks. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to make a comment about that. And I can't tell you how many times I saw people know you shouldn't be in that. And that's why I said earlier on, this business is for business people. You know, we are a professional business. We consult to businesses. We don't deal with residential and we want people that are comfortable in that environment. That's what we're looking for. And now I think I forgot the actual question you asked me. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I want to I want to go back and comment on the passion part because there are quite a few entrepreneurs and other founders that I speak to that do talk to passion, but I do agree with you. Passion will only get you so far. But, you know, at least 50 half the people that I speak to have a desire to be in a specific industry. Now, why is that? Well, it's because of what they're used to. Right. You no, know, or what they have liked from past experiences, but that is not the best way to pick your profit path, as I like to call it. Get out there. Let me shake the trees for you a little bit. And oftentimes, as you certainly know, guys like me find them a brand, let's say like yours, that they never even expected or never even knew existed in the first place, right? Well, how many people knew School of Mitchell existed before you talked to them? You know, very few. Oh. You make a really good point. It's not about the subject matter. I mean, it's about passion in growing a business and in helping people and building an environment. And I mean, and Beth and I are so proud of the fact that we got a hundred people plus working here, making a livelihood because of what we created from dust and 215 people. We're very passionate about that, but am I passionate about telecom expenses or merch? No. Yeah. You know, and I guess the guy that had the sheep manure business isn't really passionate about sheep manure, but he could build a great business. Oh, that's a load of crap. Yeah, I get it. I get it. That's good. No, but Dennis, what I, what I did ask you about was uh, just a little quick follow up. Anything specific about your discovery day process or validation? That's where we were. Sure. Now, Discovery Day, of course, is virtual in this COVID world we're in now. And, you know, this podcast will probably survive the COVID world. So hopefully people will recall what I'm talking about here. But <laughs> normally Discovery Day, our candidates would come here and visit with us. And we've got a whole day planned around that. But in the in the COVID world, we've been really, really effective with it as well. All of our department heads will come in and do a, you know, 15 minute summary of what they do and what they provide to franchisees and then have a Q&A at the end of their session. It's about a five, five and a half hour session. And I'll tell you, almost to the T, every person that attends our Discovery Day says, what a great day. Um, it seems like it might be too long sitting there, but it's lots of banter back. Mostly they're shooting barbs at me, all my staff. But regardless of that, it's kind of a fun day. And they actually get a lot of information about probably from about 20 different people in our business here and get a feel for our culture. And, you know, a lot of businesses will say, you know, our people are our most important asset and they have that right in their website and that's their big motto, but they don't really act that way. I no. think we do. I think we do here at Schooly Mitchell and that's what comes through in our discovery day. 
as far as validation is concerned, you know, I would extend that same thought through to our franchisees. Now, of course you can't have 200 and not have a few people that are not doing it and, you know, not, but for the most part, our people really love what they do. When we have our annual conference, they love getting together, sharing ideas. They, they actually kind of are forlorn when it's over with. So that to me is a good reflection of the feeling here in Schooley Mitchell. And I think our validation will reflect that because people very open, they tell their story. And I think it's very helpful to the candidate to understand the different ways that people operate this business because there's flexibility here. Right. I love it. I love it. So I'm going to toss you an interesting question. So you like the world of franchising so much. And uh, what are the franchises uh, off the top of your head that you visit on a regular basis? You mean that I purchase from? That you, that you patronize as a customer. Oh, I hate to admit it, but McDonald's and Tim Hortons are right down the street here. I go there way too much. I got to work out way harder just to stay in shape. So, uh, no, but I mean, you know, you make a good point. I mean, if you're traveling, are you going to stop at Bob's Burgers or McDonald's? You're going to stop at McDonald's because you know what it is, at least. Maybe Bob's Burgers is great in the community, and, but, you know, how do I know, right? So franchising carries a great club. And, you know, that, that actually brings me up to a, a good point related to Schoolie Mitchell, too. You know, our brand is not a known brand and it never will be because we're not serving the public like big yellow M's, right? right? But our brand is really valuable in the relationships with the vendors of those services we consult about. They know who we are. We carry clout with them. And that's what's important to our franchisees that our brand is really valuable in that way rather than the way most people would recognize a brand. Such a great point. And, you know, you can imagine in my position, I get a lot of people on a regular basis. I, I want a known brand. And then I have to knock them back a little bit to re-explain, well, wait a second, you know, on the retail present brands, whether it's a salon like Great Clips or a restaurant like Burger King or McDonald's, you know, people know all those brands because you see them all the time. Sure. I can show you plenty of proven, established brands, which is what you want. And that's what this is all about. Again, back to the profit path. So Dennis, what did I not cover today, if anything, that you want to share with the audience? I think everybody can kind of surmise why they should want to be a, a Schoolie Mitchell franchisee at this point, but any uh, final words of wisdom? I don't know if I have any. I mean, you know, what this is all about is what can I achieve? And I think what we've tried to create here is a model to allow people to achieve what they want to achieve. And I mentioned before the 20, 60, 20, instead of the 20, 80 or 80, 20 rule, 80, 20. you know, we're very happy with the 60% too, because they're making what they want to make. You want to make 75 or hundred or 150 or $175,000 a year in schooling Mitchell. You can do that. That's not that hard, but you just got to stay a little steady and stay there. We're very happy with that, but we love it when we can change lives, you know, and we have changed lives. I know people that are doing things with their life because they had a school in Mitchell that they never would have been able to do if they didn't join us. And that's very rewarding to Beth and to me to know that that happened. We actually had a couple of franchises send the two of us to Hawaii a few years ago to thank us for creating this business. That's a pretty, when that, that happened, that, our annual, that they did this at an annual conference and Beth, she started crying. I was almost crying because I couldn't believe someone would do that, but they just did it to thank us. And that's, kind of nice. Hashtag changing lives. Just like you said, I use it yep. often. Yep. Well, thank you so much. You've been an amazing guest. I look forward to having a sort of a round two with you in the future. And uh, thanks for being on. Well, as you can tell, I'll go round two because you can't shut me up. So I'm, wow. I'm more than happy to come back. Lance. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Let's do some more business together. You got it. Thanks, Lance. 
Thank you very much for listening today. Please like, follow, and subscribe so you don't miss anything here at Ion Franchising. Visit our website at ionfranchising.com, E-Y-E-O-N franchising.com, and complete our free assessment so we can assist you in finding your perfect franchise. This is Lance Gralick. Until next time.